You're listening to the best of Morning Drive with Dietrich and White, an on-demand audio presentation of redpeachsports.com and ESPN977.com. Now here's today's show. Good morning, North Louisiana. What up? How goes it? Aaron here in the Caldwell Banker Group One Realty Studio in beautiful West Monroe, alongside from the Washita Citizen, Jake Martin. Good morning, Jake Martin. How you doing today? Good morning. How we doing? Fantastic. John Tabor running the board for us back at the Sports Talk 97.7 headquarters in Ruston. You can hit us up on the Stuart Shelby State Farm hotline slash text line 888-993-7762. Go to stuartshelby.com for a free quote. So now that the introductions are all done, we can move forward. <laughs> thanks, thanks for that. Got off to a rough start this morning driving into work with a big... Uh, thermal of coffee and uh, spilled the whole thing in the front seat but at le- least it went towards the passenger side and not towards me yeah i was just checking your shirt to make yes. sure it missed you so yes. it's so not all get into the office just make a nice pot here but then realize that we have not made a pot of coffee in this office since last year <laughs> well i stopped drinking your coffee the first <laughs> time i tried it so i sure as heck wasn't drinking any you got some kind of a scientific experiment going over here a science project taking place in our coffee pot yeah something growing um i think we need to turn it into a lab somewhere (laughs) get it examined so it goes without saying we'll be going without coffee this morning (laughs) yes plenty to discuss though to keep us perked up over the next uh two hours a lot of different headlines we've got some big ball games to break down and of course the tournament right around the corner i say that uh the first four did have uh, two games yesterday did you watch any of it jake no, I was at a baseball game. Yes, and which we'll talk about in a minute. But Radford won, first win in uh, the tournament, and uh, St. Bonaventure also won. I believe their first uh, tourney win in 48 years. They take care of that basketball powerhouse called UCLA. Yeah, I had uh, faith in the Bonnies, so that didn't surprise me. You had that in your bracket, right? Yeah, well, you, you it didn't get, count, but it, you you knew that that was going to happen. Yeah, I, I actually did suspect that. You didn't so. have UCLA winning the next round with that really would have no, sabotaged. No, 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 not at all. Um, and we'll get to – I'm going to break down the, the bracket in full with, with Puff Daddy later. Uh, so that would be a lot of fun. Look for, Looking forward to that. But let's start with the reason why I missed it. Um, let's start there. West Washington and Sterlington, we talked about it yesterday. We hyped it up, a big matchup between two local powerhouses. And the game delivered, Aaron. It was a 3-1 to one ball game heading to the seventh. Sterlington was up. Adam Tubbs, who, you know, the biggest question mark for Sterlington this year, I thought, was who was going to replace Spencer Davis. And, you know, we, we know what he did last year on the mound for Sterlington. They returned Trey Rugg, and he's been, you know, as good as last year. Who was going to be that second guy? And Adam Tubbs has been. He's been fantastic. He had another great outing. Uh, Hell, West Washington had just one run entering that seventh. But that's when West Washita made a rally. Thomas Wilhite started that inning off with a single. They load the bases. They scratch two runs across. They got two on. Luke Cunnicutt up. It's 3-3. Three to three. He, It's a 2-2 two, two count. And Luke Cunnicutt delivers a an RBI, two RBI single to give West Washita a 5-3 to three win at Sterlington. Mm. It was a fantastic game. I caught up with Luke Cunnicutt, who also uh, pitched in the game against Sterlington. Caught up with the senior, the Louisiana Tech commit. And here's what he had to say after the game. Um, the uh, I think it was the 2-2 pitch, curveball, and I wait on it, and I pull it down the right field line. Scores two, get thrown out, 
It's my bad, but uh, I knew I got the job done, and, and and that couldn't mean more for me and my team. Pitching today, how excited were you to face that lineup? They've been on fire, scoring 12 runs per game. You know all of them anyway, but how, how excited were you to get this? face oh, that lineup? Oh, I was lineup? so excited. I mean, they're a good team. They, they're probably the best offensive team in this area. And uh, to get to throw against them today is, is an honor for me, and uh, it really questioned my uh, questioned my ability and you know questioned my, my pitching skills. And so. that in that final inning, Thomas led off with a single. Did that fire y'all up in the dugout? Oh, unbelievably! They had us down for 18 outs. They had us down. They had us beat. And with Thomas leading us off that inning, I, I don't know if we could have came back and won it. Hmm. I said Louisiana Tech commit. He's a Louisiana Tech signee. Hmm. So. Uh, you're getting a great talent, Louisiana Tech, and, and Luke Cunningham, a kid that started for four years there at West Washita. And he mentioned the fact that they were able to slow down and silence one of the most potent offenses, not only in this area, but in the state. Coming into this game, they were averaging what per game? 12 runs per game. Yeah, they were uh, scorching red hot. Uh, we, we, You know, looking at the year, you looked at this lineup and you saw so many familiar names. Last year, a team that won the Class 2A championship. So we knew this offense would be potent. But, yeah, to hold them to – just uh, three runs is, is quite a feat. Mm. That was the scene of the big game in the high school ranks. We had a couple midweek games in college baseball. Uh, let's start with uh, ULM making the trip down to Northwestern State. Of course, the Demons out for a little revenge, considering they were just over here at Warhawk Field a couple weeks ago. ULM won that ball game. They get their revenge. They take care of the Warhawks 14-3. to the Demons score eight runs in the fifth to really blow this thing wide open. Now with the loss, the Warhawks drop to 10-6 and six on the year. They'll go on the road this weekend in conference play, scoring off against South Alabama. Yeah, so here's the deal, man. This is this is starting to kind of come back down to reality. This is the, the newness, the freshness is starting to wear off, and so now you're starting to see ULM pushed up against the wall a little bit. I want to see how they respond to this adversity because it's not going to come easy. You know, now, you know, now you're actually facing uh, – you're about to get into conference play, and, and I want to see how they, they bounce back from this. A couple of notes of uh, guys that we certainly have local tie-ins. Ty O'Neill, I believe it's just his second career appearance in the college ranks, the former OCS standout. He pitched against uh, ULM the first time around, didn't go too well for him this time around. He fares much better than also Robert Scott Faust, a former West Monroe player, making an appearance for the Warhawks last night. Yeah, Faust, uh, he gave up two runs on three hits and a walk, but he also struck out two uh, in his appearance. And Ty, you mentioned that he didn't give up a, a hit or a run in his one inning pitch against the, the Warhawks. You heard from uh, Lane Burroughs yesterday on the show for his uh, weekly visit. They were making the trip up to Little Rock afternoon game. Man, this was a, a thriller, at least a, a pitching duel. We've talked extensively about David Leal and how dominant he has been for uh, the Bulldogs this year in midweek games. He does it again. <laughs> shocker, shocker, right? Leal, nine innings pitched, allowed only three hits uh, and one run. Uh, again, that's through nine innings. At one point, he had retired 21 consecutive Trojan hitters. Now for the season, his ERA sits at point five nine. So I think we need to accept that Louisiana Tech is going to garner the Pitcher of the Week award every single week because I don't see how anybody's going to be out the aisle for this next week. Well, as significant of a performance that was for Leal, they still uh, end up losing. Uh, they lose in 12 innings to uh, Little Rock 2-1. to one. Offense, of course, had some issues yesterday. Man, that just sucks when you get a performance like that on the I back. know. 
as a pitcher, you got to be very, very. It's it's very disheartening. And now, of course, uh, they'll open up Conference USA play this weekend as the Rice Owls make their way into the Love Field for a three-game set. Grambling playing Alcorn State in two game two midweek games this week. A little odd. They don't count as a conference or league games. Just two. Two games. Yeah. And uh, Grambling does win 12-5. to five. They score eight in the first inning to kind of make this thing uh, a blowout early on. Scored eight in the first inning, and Garrett Smith was three for three for the Grambling Tigers. All right, LSU Homer, we got uh, the Tigers versus who tonight on the diamond? Uh, South Alabama. So uh, LSU will get to see South Alabama before ULM does. What kind of scheduling is this by uh, LSU to have a baseball and basketball game taking place at the same time tonight? Yeah, yeah. Uh, would have been nice if they could have moved the baseball game because the baseball game's at 6:30, and the basketball game against ULL is at six o'clock. Uh, and speaking of the basketball game, Aaron, mm-hmm. we played that clip numerous times yesterday. It was awesome. I think I could hear it again. <laughs> we we could play it again. I, I would not be opposed to that. Bob Marlin, of course, uh, throwing a little shade towards LSU and Will Wade's program. Yes. Now, what he said in that was he he basically questioned the seating why they have to go over to Baton Rouge. And in his comments, he said that, you know, ULL had a better record. Mm-hmm. And That's he, true. It is true. And he also said that um, they have a, a better gym, better arena. So That's probably true. That's, I mean, Cajun Dome is pretty sweet. Cajun Dome is sweet. PMAC, they've done some things, but it's still, I mean, Cajun Dome is pretty nice. It is nice. Now, looked at some numbers. Uh-huh. Yesterday, I uh, was doing a little preview for, for Danny Don. LSU has seven wins over top 50 RPI points. Yeah, something you have uh, beat over our head numerous times have, throughout have you, the year. Have you heard that yet? Yeah, uh, a couple times, that? yeah. That was for their NCAA resume. Yes. Yes. <laughs> the Cajuns have none. Yeah. So, I think LSU can point to that for the season. And, I, you know, I, I submitted that and then uh, – But the RPI – ULLLLL was way ahead of LSU. They had the second highest RPI, according to Marlin. According to Marlin. In the NIT. Yeah. I mean, they were like, a, they're, I think they're a six seed. Yeah, they're a six seed. LSU's a three seed. Um, so I submitted that, and then what I didn't realize, um, Scott Long hit me back and said, ULL didn't average as many fans as LSU this year either. So. You know, I think there's going to be some some spice to this to this game tonight. I, you know, it's already kind of building up with hype just because of his comments, and uh, I can't wait to see the action on the floor. I wonder if it gets a little chippy. I'm, I'm starting to kind of think that maybe it does get a little chippy. There's this belief out here that uh, LSU has everything to lose in this game. The, I I'm one of those who believe that. <laughs> you know, if you're if you're the school that the bigger school that's supposed to win, you play in the bigger conference. You know, you don't really want to f- be in this position where you have a chance to lose and then. You know. So the Cajuns are going to be beating that drum if they figure out a way oh, to win this thing. Are they going to be beating that yeah. drum? What kind of question is that? Of course. They are the Louisiana Raging Cajuns. Mm. They're going to be beating that Louisiana drum till we're all bleeding from the ears. Mm. Yeah. I can tell you're all in on this game tonight. I'm pretty fired up about it. I'm excited. Uh, One thing we, they don't have is Tremont Waters. That's true. That's and that's what I wrote. I said, listen, they've got some really good transfers. They're going to pose some issues, but LSU still has the best player on the court. So we'll see what happens. Look, we're talking about an NIT game. Exactly. Well, I mean, it's it's best case scenario. They they match them up for a reason, right? 
it's going to get people talking in Louisiana. Uh, what has people talking in this state, of course, uh, Sean, Drew Brees uh, being signed, sealed, and delivered with the Saints. News, of course, breaking uh, yesterday as we were going off the air. Uh, a little bit more details coming out just in terms of it being a two-year deal for $50 million. Uh, the thing that came stood out the most to me was the fact that, of course, the second year of that option, the Saints have the option whether or not they'll bring Breeze back for another year. And also, of course, numerous reports out there, one coming from ESPN, that uh, he did have another offer out there. And other, other franchises were calling, and one franchise is willing to offer Breeze $60 million over two years. Now, they've called this the quote-unquote mystery team. Yeah. I think it's the Vikings, right? <laughs> I'm just going to speculate here. I mean, the Vikings did offer up how much? $84 million guaranteed to Kirk Cousins. Yeah. I think they'd be willing to give $60 million to Drew Brees. So, mm. um, you know, hearing that, it just makes me even happier that Drew Brees is the same. You mm. know, the fact that he did. We kept talking about it, Aaron, give the team the, the hometown discount, and he did. He could have asked for way more money. He could have got way more money. I think he's still the fourth highest-paid co- uh, quarterback. He could have been the highest-paid player in the league, though. Easily. For the second time in his career. Easily he could have been that. So he definitely gave the Saints a hometown discount. Um, I'm happy that it worked out on both sides. But on the flip side, he should give him a discount because, I mean, money's one thing, but his, you know – his approach and, of course, his relationship, knowing the system, him and Sean Payton, does he really want to uproot everything and start over somewhere else? Well, the unknown. Aaron, here's the deal, though. Like, it's for him to go to the Vikings, who would have stopped the Vikings? I'm being serious. Like, who would have stopped the Vikings if he would have joined, if he would have joined Minnesota? Mm-hmm. Now, I think it's all about loyalty to him. I think that matters more than – Oh, I have to learn a new system. Oh, I have to go off to a different place. I think it was all about New Orleans was great to me. They gave me another shot in my career. I'm going to pay it back to them. That's the way I took it from Drew. I think he's been a loyal guy. And I don't, I'm don't. i sure that factors in, you know, being familiar with Sean Payton and the offense and everything else. But I think it really does come down to loyalty. Uh, Richie, uh, his sources say that $60 million was fully guaranteed. Uh, the Saints, I believe, 27 of the 50 is fully guaranteed. Yep. Uh, Breeze's uh, quote yesterday with the WWL radio. He did not have a press conference, just did a couple different interviews with some print guys and, of course, WWL radio. My objective with this deal was certainly not to maximize the deal as much as I could because if that was the case, then I was being offered a lot more money elsewhere. I would never entertain deals from other places, but it doesn't mean that I wasn't getting an offer. But the objective for me was I made it known from day one that I want to be in New Orleans, I want to stay in New Orleans, I love our team. Went on to say, I love the opportunity that we have in front of us, and I'm excited to be back. And then again, the objective was to get a deal done that was fair for both me and the Saints. And it worked out for both sides. He's getting a lot of cash, could have got a lot more if he would have went elsewhere, but he's still getting a lot of cash, and the Saints didn't have to pay him an absurd amount. And probably one more reason why he sat there during Zach Street's uh, retirement speech and got a little teary-eyed Zach Streif and maybe perhaps the deal was done just an hour or so before that and they just made it public yesterday morning yes and Ruchi with a good text here he says as the breeze signing exciting Saints fans the air was completely sucked out of the room with the Jimmy Graham to the Packers news 
Yeah, but then you look at the price tag and what the mm-hmm. Packers are willing to pay to Jimmy Graham. I'm not mad at it. Like yeah. if if you're if you're looking at it from the Saints' point of view, okay, let's go get a let's go get a tight end in this draft, right? I mean, Jimmy Graham faded away with the Seahawks. He was not what the Seahawks thought they were getting. Now, well, I know some would say that has a lot to do with the offense, and it. you don't have Drew Brees throwing the ball to him. Totally, he's got Russell Wilson, yeah. but I totally get it. Yeah, I totally get that he he, you know. Sean Payton can maximize his skills in that system. That said, you would have overpaid for him. And I think he's going to do well with the Packers. I think, you know, you match him up with Aaron Rodgers, that's going to it's going to be money. But I still like the you know, you got so many good tight ends in this draft. Go young and uh you can find a good tight end. Uh several different places reporting of course the deal with Jimmy Graham to the Packers is worth 30 million dollars. 22 of that coming over the four, course of the first 2 years. A lot of NFL uh, free agency news. We'll get to a lot of the different headlines. It was an exciting day yesterday. It seemed like uh, every 30 minutes to an hour, you'd had some big news about a big name going somewhere. We'll go through the list here in a little bit. Yeah, okay. I thought you were setting me up there. It's all part of the, the starting lineup brought to you by Louisiana Pain Care. The starting lineup. Are you crying? The starting lineup. Are you crying? Starting lineup. Are you crying? The starting lineup. There's no crying. Let's get to the starting lineup. <laughs> All right, uh, we got our doctor segment coming up at 7:30. Dr. Jeff Counts will join us at 7:45. We'll talk a little WNIT with Brooks Story, Lady Texter's head coach, as they get ready to play host to Missouri State. And you found out something about Missouri State that's very interesting. Yeah, pretty cool. Of course, we all know about the stores uh, coaching the Lady Texters. They, uh, Missouri State also has a husband-wife combination. Unique. Very unique to see two of those squaring off against one another in postseason play. Text line is open, 888-993-7762. We're back after this on the Morning Drive on Sports Talk 97.7. All right, a little bit of a discussion and dialogue with uh, Jimmy Graham and, of course, how much he has left in the tank and is he worth the money that, of course, that he will get uh, with the Saints not looking at Jimmy Graham as he finds a new home in Lambeau Field. So you just look at his numbers, and we're talking about a guy that is, what, 31 now, Jay? Yes, 31 years old. So uh, with the Saints for those uh, five years, and, I mean, he just put up some – mind-boggling numbers the biggest one coming in 2011 with the 99 receptions in terms of touchdowns his biggest year came in 2013 when he hauled in 16 touchdown receptions so when he was at new orleans his number of receptions 31 99 85 86 and 85 goes without saying a huge part of the offense and he was relatively healthy during that time starting uh, 16 games uh, in four of those five years, the other uh, year he had made 15 starts. All right, so then you look at he makes the way over to Seattle. He has uh, injury problems. That first year only plays 11 games, brings in, what, 48 receptions. Year two with the Seahawks, 65 receptions. Then last year playing 16 games, 57 receptions. But with those 57 catches, Jake, he only uh, hauled in uh, 520 yards. Which is almost half of what he hauled in the year before. He had 923 in 2016. He only had 520 last year. Did have more touchdowns with 10 uh, as compared to six the year prior. But, yeah, if if you're looking at it, so he had 57 receptions, 520 yards, and 10 touchdowns last year. Okay. 
those aren't terrible numbers, but those aren't the numbers that you would get for, for paying that price tag, right? Mm -hmm. that, that high price tag that he'd be asking for. Why not go cheaper? Why not go younger in the draft? And then, for, like you said, for that price tag, but everybody thought that the Saints could just plug and play whoever they put at tight end, and we not found that that has not been no. the case over the last couple of years. It has not been the case, and that's what's been missing in this offense. But that said, I see a lot of great talent in, in the draft, and I just think, you know, I, going by the last two seasons, I now trust the Saints front office. Wow. I think they know what they're doing in, in scouting uh, the talent that is available in the draft, and I trust they'll make the right decision there. And, again, you're paying less money to, to go with the younger guy, and maybe you have better luck plugging him in. Price tag was too much for the Saints. And then another player that we certainly have talked a lot about heading to New Orleans, uh, that is not the case. Malcolm Butler heading to the Titans. And you look at the money that he received for a guy that didn't even really play in the Super Bowl. Uh, five years, $61 million, and $30 million of that guaranteed. To me, that was the shocker of the day. Because the Titans are already in good shape in the defensive backfield. They're already pretty good at cornerback. So the fact that they were willing to pay that much to add Malcolm Butler after, again, he didn't play in the Super Bowl, man, that just struck me as odd. You look at some of the other big names that, of course, uh, inked some deals yesterday. The one that may surprise the most, a uh, player getting cut, Jordy Nelson, out with the Packers. Yeah, that was surprising too. Um, you know, and a couple that jump out at me, Aaron, Allen Robinson and Trey Burton being added to the Bears. They're getting Mitch Trubisky some help, which I thought was, was a good day for the Bears. And then the Jags signed the top guard on the market in Andrew Norrell. And that shows that they still value that running game. They value that running game so much that, hey, we know our top receiver is leaving. We'll, we'll deal with that. We're going to go out there and we're going to pay money to this top guard and just show you that, hey, we are committed to this running game with Leonard Fournette. Hmm. Look at Jake going offensive line route there. Uh, the quarterback's dominating the headlines. And, of course, uh, the money that uh, Kirk Cousins is going to get from the Vikings, what a reported three-year $84 million. That raises a few eyebrows. But how about uh, Sam Bradford? How much stake would you put into Sam Bradford last year? One year. More? <laughs> You're going to give him a year. Which is what they do. Oh, you're talking about if I'm yeah. How many games? What's the, the over and under? Oh, no, no, no. I thought you meant how, if I was drawing up a contract, uh, how many years would I give him, which is one year, which is what he got. But still. Uh, the over and under on games played? Uh, God, you, started, you have to start at two, right? It depends whether or not he's playing <laughs> exhibition preseason games. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> you need an asterisk? <laughs> yes, you do. Um, and also, Teddy Bridgewater to the Jets after Josh McCown. Yeah. After signing so him. So, Josh McCown re-signs with the Jets for uh, $10 million, which I thought was pretty darn good for him. Yeah, it was. <laughs> And then they showed you how much faith they have in him by bringing in Teddy Bridgewater, yeah. which should be done today, according to Chris Mortensen with ESPN. I was a little surprised also until I read into it a little bit more, Amadola leaving uh, the Patriots for the Dolphins. Then you look at Amadola and the money that he's making and, and the age that he's at. I think he's uh, 33. And the fact that he's going to get, uh, I think, uh, it was a two-year deal for $12 million, $8 million of that guaranteed. And I think he's only making about $2 million. For the Patriots, yeah, money talks. Man. He had to cash in eventually. Right? Money talks, got to cash in eventually. Yeah. And then you just think, well, the Patriots will find somebody else to plug them in. Yeah, exactly. That's what Bill does. Mm. Bill, I know, I know him well. Yes. I just call him Bill. Uh, anything else surprised you yesterday? Sammy Watkins going to Chicago. 
you know, I don't think he has it anymore. Yeah. I think those the, the foot injuries really kind yeah. of taking a toll on him. I don't think he's the same player. But, uh, you know, good for him for getting some more money. How cool is this for the NFL? Though? I mean, we're talking about some big-name players. It is changing. awesome. Yeah. It, it is really fun to sit back and watch all of these moving parts. Um, it seems like this is it, – it just ramps up every year now. You know, I, we're not used to seeing this much movement, especially early. So, I, I've enjoyed it. And then leave it to me to bury the lead. Of course, one of our favorites, Rustin's Kyle Williams, re-signing with Buffalo for another year. Several different reports out there, uh, $6 million, $5 million of it guaranteed. A lot of talk whether or not that would be Kyle Williams's last year, last year, last season. But, of course, he has decided he's got one more year left in him. Well done by the Bills and Kyle to get this thing worked out. Yeah, happy to, happy to see Kyle get another chance at it. This will be his uh, 13th season with Buffalo. Incredible. Is that – I hate to put you on the spot, but is that the longest tenure in the NFL that we've seen from this area? I put mm. you on the spot. I'm mm. sorry. Mm. Get the get the with one franchise. Or, yeah, I would think. Well, I was talking overall. Uh, Bobby Brister, how many years did he play in the NFL? I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, it's an interesting yeah. question. Well, Doug lasted how long in the NFL? He lasted uh, 10, 11. True. Interesting question. I just I was just curious. Uh, Ty, you, thank you, Ty. Willie Rowe. Willie Rowe. Rowe. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Thank you, Ty. <laughs> See, that's that's why we have smarter listeners than us. That is our research department. That's it. 888-993-7762. Thanks for helping us out. Keep the text coming. Up next, Dr. Jeff Counts joins us for our doctor's segment. If you got a question or two or a comment, hit us up. We're back after this. Welcome back to the Morning Drive on Sports Talk 97.7. We always look forward to catching up with the doctors on Wednesday morning around 7.30 or so, Dr. Jeff Counts joins us on the Stuart Shelby State Farm Hotline. How you doing this morning, Doc? I'm doing great, guys. How are y'all? Uh, we're doing all right. We're getting humbled. We're just going through these uh, contracts and salaries of these NFL free agents and the money that they're <laughs> piling in. Uh, really, it's uh, mind-boggling, the, the cash that they're, they're hauling in. A couple of uh, news and notes, and of course, it has to do with some free agency and medical news. One of them being uh, Richard Sherman. He signs a huge deal with the 49ers. Even though he continues to rehab from a ruptured Achilles in one foot and in the other foot he has bone spurs, uh, Achilles tendon, we've seen it derail so many different careers. What is the rehab process typically like for that? Well, you know, as you guys know, it's a long process. We've talked about this before, and and for a, for a high-end athlete like like Richard Sherman, you know, you're looking at a minimum year before he is back to uh, even close to what he was beforehand. And, you know, there's, you know, like you said, there's there's example after example of professional athletes who was just never able to get back to that level of participation that they were at prior to their injury. So, um, you know, there's still a big question mark with Richard Sherman. But, you know, I guess for the 49ers, you know, to take a risk on the potential upside that they could get out of him uh, versus, you know, um, you know, even him at 90% compared to most guys is, is still pretty good. When you rupture Achilles like that, is it when you're coming back your flexibility or is it just the case of uh, you can never get back to 100% or perhaps it could lead to more problems down the road? Well, there's, there's a couple, there's a few things that, that can happen. I mean, Number one, we don't worry so much about re-rupture. I mean, we, you know, when when Achilles tendon repairs um, happen, you know, it's it's a pretty good, uh, reliable repair. 
although he has had a second surgery, from what I understand, from um, some complications due to the first surgery. So, you know, that puts another question mark in, you, in their minds. But, but, um, but yeah, the, the things with, you know, you do lose a little bit of flexibility. You know, obviously there is a strength deficit for a long time in that leg compared to the opposite leg. And then there's, you know, that, that speed deficit that they also have, um, you know, some, in some situations they just don't get that burst of speed back that they had before. So uh, there's several things that can, that can be involved there with, with that. From my understanding, he hasn't even worked out on a treadmill yet. Once he does get on a treadmill, how long does it take for the progression to kind of work yourself back up to speed? Well, you know, the, the treadmill is just kind of the first step in as far as being able to get him back to to football um, participation, you know, because there, there's so many things that have to happen uh, after that. I mean, he has to, you know, start with just jogging on a treadmill and then progress to being able to jog on, on um, just flat ground, open surfaces, and then, you know, then they have to start working on agility and speed type activities and you know, it's just a long, slow process getting back to that point of being able to play football. Uh, the Spurs squad, Leonard, uh, continues to battle with a quadri- quadriceps injury. There hasn't been a lot of details about this injury, but he's played a grand total of nine games this year. He tried to come right. back, and now he's back on the shelf. Uh, the extent of an injury like this, what makes it so difficult? Well, a lot of it does depend on where the injury occurs, whether or not it's a quad tendon injury down by the knee or whether or not it's a, you know, like a mid, mid-substance type, mid-thigh area type injury or more around the hip where the hip flexors uh, happen. And, you know, obviously in a basketball player, any of those uh, areas in the quad is going to be important because of, you know, his jumping ability. And I think, you know, he had rehabbed it and actually gotten to a point where they thought he was going to be back and then mm. – uh, first game back, he re-injures his quad. So, you know, he's just he's just been one of those unfortunate guys who, with a muscle strain that, even though they had rehabbed it and thought he was ready to participate again, once he got back and got into that, you know, that next, you know, level of speed, so to speak, when it when when they go to game speed, it, it just he was uh, unlucky and 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 re-injured that quad. Dr. Jeff Counts joins us on the Stuart Shelby State Farm Hotline. Uh, the Clippers' Avery Bradley's out for the season with ab- abdominal surgery. Uh, they're calling it rectus abductor syndrome. First of all, what is that? And then I understand that it's pretty common in athletes. Yeah, he, um, you know, he's essentially having the adductors or that um, the the uh, muscle um, uh, along with the uh, rectus abdominus muscle uh, repaired back to his pelvis. Um, and, and that's uh, what we call a sports hernia. Um, it, it's actually not a hernia per se. It's more of a muscle tear. Like, like, like I said, they're repairing those muscles back to the pelvis. Um, so it, it essentially what happens is um, in the, in the, you know, in the um, experience in the level of play or whatever, uh, the abdomen gets strained in a in a in a manner where the muscles actually rip off of the pelvis, um, and what they have to do is essentially open it, open up the ab- abdomen and reattach those muscles, just like we would, you know, reconstructing an ACL or whatever. They sew it back down to the bone, and then 
Uh, once that's done, then they go through a rehab process, and typically the athlete's pretty much good as new. It's a, it's a very good, reliable surgery to, to repair that injury. And like you said, it does happen more frequently than people realize. Hmm. Sounds extremely painful to me. It, it, it <laughs> I've seen a few in the office, and uh, it is uh, those, those guys are, are pretty miserable, let me tell you. Dr. Jeff Counts, if uh, listeners out there need your assistance or uh, some of your colleagues, where can they find you guys? Well, uh, call the main number, our 323-8451 number. We'll get you to any of the locations in Monroe, West Monroe, or Ruston. And then, of course, you can get us online at MonroeOrtho.com. Um, if it's uh, late in the evening and something gets uh, injured, we're, we're open with our after-hours clinic until 8 p.m. and on Saturdays from 8 to 11. As always, we appreciate the time. Thank you. Yes, sir. Dr. Jeff Couch, good stuff there. You know what? We were discussing free agency, uh-huh. and I forgot to read this baffling stat I read this morning on baffling. ESPN.com. I like that. So the Vikings have paid or guaranteed $109 million and shipped out two draft choices to get from Bridgewater in August 2016 to Cousins in March 2018. Hmm. Do I need to read that again? Yes. Have paid or guaranteed $109 million and shipped out two draft choices. Since? Since August of 2016 with Bridgewater to go to Cousins in today, March hmm. 2018. Really a good thought-out plan that they had. <laughs> <laughs> Just throwing $100, $100 million <laughs> away. Yeah. But – uh. What, so what do you think? Do you, do you and what's crazy about the whole situation is yeah they have three quarterbacks and they had none, right, <laughs> right. Now that's kind of where I was going with this. How wasn't one of them under contract, or they had a backup plan? Maybe this was the plan all along. Maybe they wanted Kirk Cousins. Maybe they thought they could land him. I don't know. I'm trying to give them some. Uh, Somewhat of a benefit of a doubt, but they got lucky though. They did get lucky, sure, because there was they had to pay, pay yeah. a hefty price. Yeah. 80, I say lucky, but yeah, you just said they blew a hundred million dollars. Eighty-four million dollars guaranteed. Yeah. Yeah. Kirk Cousins could get hurt in his first, you yeah. know, first snap he takes and yeah. never see him again. So he still owed that money. Um, yeah, it's a gamble. But it's today, do you think? Would you rather have Case Keenum for half of that price? Yeah. You would. Mm. You would just rather t- take Case Keenum for half that price. You know, something that I think we both agree that Kirk Cousins is the better player, better quarterback, right? He's done it for longer. Still hasn't had that mm. signature win. Still hasn't had that postseason success. And I know that has to deal with, you know, do with the team that you're on. And, of course, you can't just carry the, the load in, in football like you can in, in, in basketball or, or another sport. But – this to me, eighty-four million dollars, and I know this is a new. This is it's just going to keep climbing and getting bigger and bigger and more outrageous. But eighty-four million dollars, I think they ever paid. Man, mm. I, I think I'd rather had Case Keenum for half that money. But mm. they're probably looking at their defense and looking at the skill players they have. That's and say, right. They didn't overpay if they're in the Super Bowl. And say, year. listen, we just need a guy who can sling it, who has done it consistently for the past couple of years. We think Kirk Cousins has done that. We will pay a steep price for that. Looking back at the situation with uh, Drew Brees and the Saints, uh, you can almost say now that the Saints were playing with fire there a little bit 
in terms of rolling the yeah. dice by allowing other franchises to, first of all, tamper and have the, the, the shot to make a bid towards Drew Brees. And if somebody is willing to offer him $60 million, if he was willing to you know, take the money and run, where would the Saints have been left then? Exactly. What took so long? Or they just figured, uh, we know Drew Brees, we know his loyalty to this franchise, we're willing to roll the dice. Yeah, but if you're the Saints, man, I'm trying to make that deal done immediately because you know he wants to be there. Well, ultimately yes, it worked out, though, because now did. they got another option on him next year. So if it doesn't work out, he turns 40 years old next year. This year wasn't what they anticipated. They can cut, cut loose of Are Drew Brees. Are you trying to say in any way that the Saints took advantage of Drew Brees and his loyalty? Perhaps, yeah, a little bit. But considering Drew Brees has certainly taken advantage of them over the course of the last decade. The money that he's made. He's made a lot of money, but, you know, again, that value keeps going up. He could have got $60 million guaranteed. He got less than $60 million, but you're starting over. Go somewhere else. You're starting over. Aaron, if you're – Uproot your family. Look, it's not reported. It's not confirmed, but we're pretty sure that was the Vikings, right? (laughs) I mean, we're pretty dang sure. If they're giving Kirk Cousins $84 million on a three-year deal, I could see them giving Drew $60 million for a two-year deal, okay? So, and, and we're talking about guaranteed money here. So, yes, you have to start over, quote unquote. But you're going to a team that is ready to go to the championship, that right. is ready to go win a Super Bowl. They're just missing you. How does that play out with Jimmy Johns and walk-ons if you're in Minneapolis and you're trying to run these businesses <laughs> down in Louisiana? I, look, I get it, but and and Drew is an awesome. You know, he's, this is why we love Drew Brees because he is loyal and yeah. he did stick it out with the Saints. But I'm just saying. They played with fire, and they got lucky that Drew was as loyal as he is. Mm. Let's take a timeout. Coming up next, Brooks Store joins us. We'll talk a little Lady Texters hoops. Hit us up at 888-993-7762. The morning drive back after this. Man, Jake, I can feel it not having that coffee this morning. Oh, stop. Yeah. <laughs> uh, one coach that's always perked up and ready to go, that being Brooks Store from Lady Texters. She joins us on the Stuart Shelby State Farm Hotline. Coach, how are you doing this morning? Doing well. I could. I don't drink coffee, but I could probably use a little caffeine myself this morning. Oh. Uh, good cup of coffee in the morning. You cannot beat it. Hey, Coach, uh, postseason play, getting ready for uh, late textures. You guys will be at home versus Missouri State in the WNIT. Before we get into that matchup, let's just uh, bring back, of course, what happened in the Conference USA Tournament. Was it the performance that you anticipated and hoped for? Uh, what was it like to see your late textures? lose like that and then kind of get back on track and realize you may have a, an opportunity in a different tournament? Well, it, it was very difficult. I think when you get to, you know, we were playing really well and our, our kids were really competing hard and, um, you know, it just came out flat for whatever reason and just didn't defend the way we were capable of. And um, I think the disappointing thing for me was, you know, that's something that this team had kind of hung its hat on the last few weeks of really, you know, playing solid team defense and not giving up anything easy. And, you know, our first couple of possessions, we fouled and gave up a backdoor cut. And I, I turned around to my staff and I thought, we may be in trouble if we defend like this. And I don't know, I think North Texas, um, you know, give them credit. I thought they did a really good job. And I think their, their team was really fired up to play. Not that our kids, I mean, our kids didn't wake up and say, hey, we want to be bad today. I mean, nobody ever does. Um, but it was just one of those days where we got ourselves into it. We dug ourselves into a big hole and, um, credit them for fighting out and, and giving themselves a chance. Really thought with a minute to go, we get um, a steal, um, passing ahead for a, for a layup to cut it to two. 
um, and get they they blow the whistle dead for a 10 second call and um, you know we have to take the ball out of bounds. We end up getting a really good shot and just missed it. But I really think we had momentum at that point. You know you cut it to two with about 51 seconds left and felt like you know we had a shot, but um, ended up having a foul there at the end. It ended up being six or seven, but. I'm uh, proud of our kids for fighting back. You know, it's never fun walking in that locker room and you don't know, um, you know, what your postseason fate is. And, um, you know, I felt like this group had done enough in terms of body of work to, to get themselves um, in in the WNIT. And, but, you know, until you see your name pop up there, you don't know. So it's a, it was a hard moment for those kids. And um, obviously for our staff, when you spend as much time as we have with this group um, through the summer and, um, you know, working extremely hard every day. You invest a lot, so it's kind of an abrupt um, halt to, to what you've been doing every single day. So it, it was not a, a fun moment for this group, but um, hopefully they regrouped. We had a really good workout yesterday, a um, decent workout on Monday. So um, we are excited to be playing at home in front of our fans for sure. Is the toughest part about a loss like that just the finality of it? And you look like at a senior like Alexis Malone and know maybe perhaps that was her last college game. Yeah, it's really difficult. That was the the, the hard thing uh, because she did. I mean, she gave everything she had, and I think she ended up with twenty seven and eleven, and goes sixteen of eighteen from the free throw line. She rolled her um, ankle pretty badly at the end of the game with about two minutes to go and there was no way she was coming out um steps up to the line knocks down two big free throws and i think gets it to a four point five point game right there is two possessions and um there was just you know that moment of going i hope this is not the last time she gets to put on that uniform and i think she was relieved and um excited to know that we were going to have an opportunity to not only play again but for her to be able to play in the thomas assembly center one more time at least um was exciting for her Brooke, one final note about the Conference USA tournament. Uh, what were your impressions of the star in the way that the tournament was run there? You know, I thought it, it had a great atmosphere. Um, and I think we were all probably a little um, anxious to see what the setup was going to look like from a coach's standpoint. You know, you're, we're concerned about, um, you know, shooting backdrops and, you know, is it going to be, is it going to look the same on both courts and, you know, just logistically, some of those things from a locker room standpoint, how close are we going to be to the court, you know, just all of that. But I thought um, in year one, the, the facility's incredible. It's unbelievable. Um, I thought our, our players enjoyed it. Um, you know, as a fan, you could, you know, I knew there was another game going on. But when you're on that court and you're competing, there is no, like, you feel like you're the only only team in the building. And I thought it was really neat for our players to experience that. Um, we went back and watched the men play, and that later in the night session, I thought the crowds were pretty good. If you compare those to, you know, what we had were my experience the year before at Birmingham. I mean, for as, in terms of every session, I thought the women's games were well attended and more, you know, had more fans there than. Uh, what I had seen in, in Birmingham. So I hope we can do it again, um, extend that, that contract for another year. I know they'll have, you know, any little kinks worked out um, for next year as well. And it was, I thought it was, they did a, Conference USA did a really good job um, with that. But it just had a tournament atmosphere. You know, there's there's one thing when you go to a tournament and you feel like, hey, this is a big deal. We're at a different place. There's a completely different feel when you walk into a home site that you've already played at during the season. And 
I thought it gave our tournament a big-time feel, and I think our, our players really enjoyed that. I would like to have stayed there longer and played a couple more games, um, obviously. But I thought I thought for year one, um, I thought they did a great job, um, and, you know, we were very, very pleased. Brooke, walk us through the process. Of course, you get the invitation to the WNIT. Then how do you go about hosting a first-round matchup? Well, you know, I, I really appreciate our administration and, um, you know, just the – in terms of the bid process and beforehand of allowing our, you know, our, our team an opportunity to play at home, giving, giving us that chance. And, um, you know, we found out probably about 745, 750, somewhere around in there that we were in. And then we didn't find out our actual matchup until, you know, right around 10, 1030. And so at that point, you know, you're, you know, I send out, you know, we're obviously not, together as a staff but send out to staff hey you know you'll have these this matchup this matchup for scouts and start working on that you know and then we just Scott and I really started diving into Missouri State and um, you know just player tendencies working on that scout and because we had an early morning practice yesterday so we had a quick turnaround from 10 p.m. to 30 p.m. till uh, practice at 7:30 yesterday morning to have a scout prepared be ready to go um, so didn't get much sleep on, on uh, Monday night, which it, it's postseason. I'm happy to be playing that. I, I'll take as little sleep as possible if that means our group is still um, in, in postseason basketball. So had them um, ready to go on, on Tuesday morning, uh, got through our workout yesterday, had a really good look um, from our practice guys on what, you know, Missouri State's going to try to do, um, worked on some things. We'll come back today and, and work again and then um, be ready to tip it up on, on Thursday at 630. And just excited to play in front of our, our home fans and um, hope we can have a great crowd. This group deserves it. You know, we've had some, some good crowds um, for some of our home games. We need a huge crowd um, on Thursday night. And um, I, I just invite everybody, if you hadn't been to a women's game this year, come support these students they deserve that and they've worked extremely hard and um you know it's a chance for us to showcase louisiana tech and and what our university is about what these student athletes are about and what our community is about so i think it's a great opportunity for people to come out um thursday night 6 30. coach final question uh, the challenges of missouri state they come in at 20 and 11 what's the one thing that you have to slow down or contain from them they're solid. You know, they've, they've got three uh, scores in double figures. Uh, leading scorer um, on the perimeter is um, very active um, in terms of getting up shots, and um, they do a really good job of getting her shots. Um, not huge in terms of uh, size um, on the interior, uh, but they're going to do – they don't beat themselves. They're very solid. They only average, um, you know, just under 12 turnovers a game, so they're not – um, giving you extra possessions. And then defensively, they're going to mix it up a little bit. They'll play their matchup. Um, they play kind of a 2-1-2 buzz look and try to speed you up and turn you over. Um, and then, obviously, they've played some man. So we've got to do a great job of being able to take advantage of um, some of our size inside. We've got to, they, they don't give up a bunch of offensive rebounds. They do a really job, good job of boxing out and being fundamental in that aspect on the defensive end of the floor. So we've got to find a way to create some extra possessions offensively, whether that be through our defense or crashing the offensive glass. And then just really being who we are and um, not trying to get away from that. Um, I thought, you know, We've got a, We've challenged them the last couple of days about getting back to that defensive identity, and um, we've got to be really solid. I thought we defended a lot one-on-one, 
um, in Frisco instead of defending his five. And we've got to be able to defend the ball with five um, as opposed to just one-on-one. Brooke, thanks for the time. Good luck uh, Thursday night versus uh, Missouri State. Thanks so much for having me. You bet. You can hear that game right here on Sports Talk 97.7. Tip-off at 6.30. Airtime. Pre-game starts at 6 o'clock. On Friday, of course, uh, the Grambling Lady Tigers square off against Baylor in round one of the NCAA Women's Basketball Tournament. That tip is at 6.30 with the pregame start at 6.15. You can hear that one on redpeachsports.com. Hey, do you have that article pulled up about uh, March Madness and what it does for schools? Can you – we found some interesting things. This is a, a story on Yahoo. Let's give them credit first and foremost. This is fascinating about what a win in the tournament can do for some colleges. Just for name recognition alone. Then you talk about uh, enrollment and people uh, trying to attend the school, and then with merchandise, it really is incredible. We'll get into those some of those numbers in the, the next segment, and it also ties in with Middle Tennessee and with some uh, breaking news. Uh, Jeff Goodman is reporting that uh, Middle Tennessee's Kermit Davis will be the next head coach at Ole Miss. And, Jake, you look at Kermit Davis and what he's done for Middle Tennessee. I mean, my goodness. And then what happened to him this year, they put together just an incredible season and then ultimately got, get left out of the NCAA tournament. And you're like, well, why wouldn't you leave at this point? I mean, he has built a powerhouse there, but he puts together this terrific season. And it's not even good enough to get into the tournament. Exactly. So, I mean, if you're wondering why he would leave to go to a place like Ole Miss – well, you're in a conference that is, let's face it, more respected. Yeah. I mean, it's it got eight teams in the tournament. So it's a much easier path to get into the tournament. And, yeah, with that year that they had, they were certainly, you know, had reason to gripe about not getting into the tournament. And so I can understand him being frustrated, and I can understand him making a jump because of that. Yeah, and the, the what, 2016, the big win against Michigan, Michigan State. State? Exactly. Yeah, it was a good hire by Ole Miss. Yeah, it would, it would be a fantastic hire. Um, you know, after, you know, you're hearing talks that maybe they're interested in Thad Mata, which, you know, that, that would have been a pretty good hire too. But I think, you know, go younger here. Go with go with a guy who is who has done well at a, at a place like Middle Tennessee and see what he can do for your program. Hmm. It's expected to be announced later this week. Hmm. Uh, what that uh, impact that made on Middle Tennessee when they pulled that huge upset against Michigan State – just in terms of freshman applicants that year after they won, Middle Tennessee enjoyed a 17-point rise. Isn't that nuts? You look at back at what uh, Lehigh, with their big win over uh, Duke, they had a 9% increase in freshman applications. Florida Gulf Coast, 27%. Look, Florida Gulf Coast, though, that had a lot to do with people just saw a beach, you're by the dorms. Well, Why not apply there? Listen, though, Dunk City took over. Yeah. That was one of the – more fun runs in March Madness history. Their run, because not only were they winning, but they were exciting. They were dunking all over people. I remember that run. That was fun. I think everybody became a Florida Gulf Coast fan that year. Mm. That Those numbers don't surprise me at Florida Gulf Coast. Mm. 7 o'clock hour is in the books. You can weigh in at 888-993-7762. Puff Daddy's in. He's going to come in from the bullpen. He's going to fill in for me for the next hour. I'll be back tomorrow. What do we got going on tomorrow? We've got top... Thanks for listening to the best of the morning drive with Dietrich and White. To listen live every day, tune in at ESPN977.com or subscribe in iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you find podcasts.